we're in awe of what you do, but we can't do that. Right. I told him, that you're just lazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's... Well, and I was I was talking about this. I guess we'll we'll kind of do a little intro real quick. Welcome, thank you for being here. We're excited. And uh, I guess it's I, I'm so used to calling you guys Elder and Sister Roberry. I guess I don't know what it is. What is it now? Well, it's you David could, and Janice. David and Janice. Well, are we first name basis now? Is that what we who's, the <laughs> who's the audience for this? So it's it's honestly a, a pretty wide audience. Um, you know, we talk about I've, I've had other guests on, and we talk about you know, the church and missions and all that type of stuff. We're, we're now working with the MTC and we'll be missionaries. So oh, we'll perfect. Sure. But whatever, whatever's coming. Well, we are serving a mission in the MTC. That's right. Well, so we are state. Sister, now we're, if you want to say Now that. we teach young missionaries and we're recruiting mission old missionaries. Mm, okay. And the only people we leave alone are your age. You never truly right. leave we're now the service. True, That's right. We're now in charge of 215 Adult people in our state, I mean, everybody getting that is age 55 and older, getting them on not just one, but two. Yeah. Getting them on two, oh, two missions. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. Whether it's away and home or however that works, depending upon. And that's through the MTC that you're working. Oh, that's just, no, oh, that's that's just through, through your state. state. But at the MTC, we yeah. welcome senior missionaries. Oh, okay. And maybe I'll start teaching them so that we bring them clear from the state, clear through and. It's um, it's coming from the area, from the Utah area. Yeah. Okay. Well, I was just talking to to the L and D group because I know they've been working on a senior missionary training, like something, something yeah. for them. And I know who was that you were talking to? So it was Brother Chandler, Brother Chandler. Oh, good, because I was going to call him and say, yeah. "What you got cooking?" Yeah, they well, they've had people on it for quite a while, but from what I understood. And, and I don't think it's the people working on it. I think they just haven't been quite able to nail down what is the best format and what should be taught. Mm-hmm. So I know they, they, Brother Chandler mentioned to me and Sister Raleigh about coming in and maybe comparing notes of what we've done versus what they've got and how can we well, maybe tie things what together. What purpose no. is, is it to train them to, <coughs> to go away? Is it to train them to, you know, what? I think this one's, this one's general senior service missionary training. So it's whether you're in an assignment or you're going away, my big question to them, and I have, we haven't met with them because it just keeps getting postponed, but my big question to them is, is this about training them on their specific jobs, or is this about giving them that spiritual uplift yeah. boost that you'd expect in like a missionary training? Maybe it's a bit of both. Yeah. Um, well, in the, in the yeah. MTC, they would say the one is uh, preach by gospel training. That's general missionary. Right. And then I'll have to give David a call and see yeah, how to yeah. do it. Because really, what we should... we've started is different than anywhere in the church. Right. You would expect that. But anyway. So Maybe we need we, to create a, uh, yeah. a, a, a council of some sort. Get we working did. on a project okay. again together. Mm-hmm. You know? Yes. We should. Yes. Mm-hmm. And of course, along the way, as they get working, they themselves start serving missions and we'll send some of them out. And, then mm. get some more. and us out. Yeah. She said, "She said, when can we go then? You know. <laughs> I said, dear, you just don't have a vision of administrative, I can tell. <laughs> I'm not an administrator. I like to be in the trenches. Yeah. Are you wanting, like, would you like to go some, something like travel somewhere to go on a mission? I, I would if we could. Yeah. 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 Well, we were just about <clears throat> We were gone to going to the airport to go to South Africa again, again. Oh, yeah. when we were called as the service missionaries. That's right. That's so. right. Well, it's actually easier to <clears throat> stay focused on the mission 
it's harder when you're home. Mm. And I have all the, I like to do so many things. There's all these multi things that I could do. Yeah, it's just trickier when you're home. So I'm cur- I, have, I have a question based off that. I was talking to Sister Raleigh the other day. Um, and for everyone who doesn't know on the podcast, Sister Raleigh is someone we all work with in the mission world of what we're doing. So, anyways, just give some background. Um, oh, are we recording now? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, this is, and this is our second time. I think this is our second episode. I think uh, you're, I think I you're think my first. So. I think you're my first repeat um, people oh, I've had on twice. Ooh. Yeah, trendsetters. Um, so, but I was talking to Sister Raleigh, and sh- we were talking about. Because the service missionary training takes a lot of time, obviously, sure. from a missionary. It's, it's yeah. very, you have to be very committed to the program because yeah. you're going to be spending a fair amount of your time in it. And we've had, as we've gone more missionaries, sometimes a lot of missionaries come in with a, I think the typical service mission thought is, you know, I have assignment, I have one assignment here and I have another assignment here and then I spend a couple hours here. So I may serve at five different places and at, on one day and then another five at a different day. And, and so we were talking about that and... And one thing I noticed with some is, I think, because we sometimes compare to the proselyte mission, which shouldn't probably be done, but it, we do, everyone thinks the proselyte missionaries are so busy, 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 you know, we need to make sure the service missionaries are out, out, out every day and, and, and doing. Um, but I was telling Sister Ra, I was like, even in the proselyte mission, you know, they spend the first couple hours, you know, their breakfast and then scripture study and then companionship study and by the time it's you know it's like 11 30 now they're heading out the door and then you know so that's it's they're they're busy but it's very structured and and simplistic schedule i guess the best way to put it and then they have their time that they're proselyting and then come home go to bed so i guess my my question is is what's your guys' thoughts on that is it do you think that it should be like missionaries should be out in tons of service locations all the time or should have more time to you know kind of well, what's your kind of, what's your thoughts on that? It's um, I've heard mixed opinions. So. Now, my my sense from from being a service mission leader and then observing and and uh, interviewing the others is generally busy service missionaries are happy service missionaries. Mm. Now, what I mean by that is they need to feel they have a purpose. Right. That's. We have a grandson who we're grateful as a service missionary. He's doing great things. We have to go serve with him. Um, when he is serving, he feels like a missionary. Yeah. When he is home, especially since it's alone, right? That is more difficult for him. Mm-hmm. Uh, not that he doesn't do good things then, but it is not the same. And that's where that really breaks apart with the proselyting missionaries because you've always got that companion there. Um, and so I think for uh, service missionaries that we have them in places where they know they're making a difference, mm. especially in places where it's mainly people who are not members of the church. Right. They sense that there, and there is some research and some anecdotal experiences to tell us that they actually are treated more like a missionary when they are pardon me, not in church organizations except the temple. Yeah. 
Yeah. Right. It's that is the big exception. Mm -hmm. But they are loved when they are in these other charities or food banks or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. People, you know, just think they're wonderful. Desert Industries may do the same, and, and the one we had in Las Vegas that we worked with was, they actually had our missionaries training the uh, the folks that were there to gain job training and so forth. Uh, our missionaries were used at a very high level. Um, not as much at the Bishop's Storehouse. They were good, but it was more, sometimes bordering on free labor. Right. And right. they feel that. Although there were some great experiences there too. But if you put them at a place like Three Square or Catholic Charities or the Blind Center or other places like this uh, or the hospital down in Kingman or the food bank there mm -hmm. in the Kingman Regional Food Bank. Right. They were the stars. Yeah. Everybody wanted to... I mean, the most popular person in Kingman was one of our service missionaries who had trouble speaking, but everybody knew him, and everybody talked about what they felt when they were around him. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the goal, uh, is to put them in quality areas uh, with a reasonable amount of time, uh, and then they are happy. Mm. And we see skills increase. Right. This young man who had difficulty speaking, by the end of his mission, it was markedly different. Yeah. Markedly different. Um, because they have a purpose. Right. Even working with in an animal shelter, we had an elder there that every time he came, this one man wanted to be with him. And every time he was there, he would the man would say, tell me more about the gospel of Christ. He taught him the whole discussion <laughs> while they were cleaning pans and doing other things. Right. So, in my mind, that that's what makes the difference. is a purpose and places to meet that purpose. And uh, that takes some time from the SMLs to make sure that's in place. That's a good it's point. It's not a 20-hour-a-week job to be an SML. Mm -hmm. uh, much, much more. Right. <laughs> As you know. <laughs> um. So I am a very big proponent of structure for the missionaries because I think it helps them to grow. Mm. With that said, everybody's different. Right. And so the structure that would work for one would be different than the structure or the time frame. Maybe somebody, maybe a service missionary is not, uh, it doesn't rise early. And so they don't get up until like eight as opposed to the standard, the the six o'clock time, mm -hmm. but to still have structure is extremely important. Right. And we would have a chart. It was a weekly chart, and they would tell us what they were doing. Yeah. How much time they were spending in the Book of Mormon and and with their companion studying and in the scriptures themselves and what they did, and we knew which day what they were doing. Mm -hmm. uh, because because every week they took a snapshot of this weekly chart and sent it in to yeah. the district leader and sent it in to us. Otherwise, we were calling them oh, at nine o'clock at night. Yeah. Um, and and I love that because and and they they the structure really helped them. Um, I think structure helps you to feel grounded. I think it helps you to feel safe. Yeah. 
So we were able to have, yeah, you know, like our district meetings, we had we held them every week. Yeah. We had family prayers with all of the missionaries every night. Now in the proselyting arena, that's not fu- that wouldn't function. Mm-hmm. But since you have a smaller base of missionaries for the SMLs, that does function, and they were thriving with that. Good. And so if they couldn't, let's say they couldn't study their scriptures in the morning because they barely had enough time to eat and then get out and say their prayers and get out the door, well, then they would have time at night. Right, okay. So that every yeah. day, in every day you are reading your scriptures, you are journaling, you are doing things. And I think another thing as far as structure goes is that we were very, very um, big on them serving at home. Right. So you're at home, and it's like, what are you going to? How are you going to serve your family this week? Right. Noticing the noticing the little things well, that they're yes, doing day on a daily basis. Well, yes, we expected them to help cook. Right. At least and, one or two meals a week. Right. And we expected them to, them to serve. Well, what are you going to? You know, are mm-hmm. you are you teaching the family home evening lesson once a month, or how are, how are you doing it? Right. What are you doing, and what are you doing that you're not asked to do? Hmm. So that you can grow. And I think that's one of the big issues of maybe parents of the service missionary. They go, well, gee, I'm not seeing a gigantic difference because they don't pick up their clothes. They don't do this. They don't do that. Well, um, the service missionaries can control that. Sorry, one sec. Okay. okay. It looks like we're still we're still good. Sorry. <clears throat> the service missionaries can control that. I, uh, uh, with one elder... His room was so bad, his parents didn't know what to do, and, and they said, well, what should I do? I, you know, They're kind of raising their voice at their service missionary son. Mm-hmm. And, and I said, stop it. You're not in charge. Right. The service mission leader is in charge of that. Or the district leader. Or the district leader. And so I literally, I mean, since I was the, I said, do I need to come to your home, Elder, and check your room out? Because you know in the mission field you did have checks. Yeah. And I said, if your room is not clean, it's really hard for the spirit to enter. Right. And so I said, it's not about the having your room clean that's the big deal. Yeah. It's having the spirit in your life. But you can't have the spirit if it's so trashy. You can't that you're stepping on stuff. Right. And so he got so excited, he cleaned his room before I came over. <laughs> and so I didn't have to come over because he took pictures and sent them to me. And then he got so excited that he literally was, he would be sending pictures about every day. Oh man, I've decided to clean up my, you know, my, uh, my, my socks. Mm-hmm. So I mean, every, every drawer now and things in his, and he says, wow, I just feel a lot better. So I, I, I love that we can have structures. I think it helps them to grow. Yeah. And I, but I think keeping them active, keeping them knowing that they are a missionary, Minimizing the time that they're on their computers doing unnecessary, uh, a lot of unnecessary games and things like that. Sure. So that they can really, I mean, this is their time to dedicate to Jesus Christ. Right. Let's maximize that. Right. No, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Expectations make all the difference. Mm -hmm. Yeah. If they're expected to be a missionary, they understand what that means. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, we found. It was you when we came in. There really, this program had not been happening. It was the old one. Yeah. And immediately when we met them, started talking to them. They said, "Oh, you mean we're going to be really be missionaries?" Right. Yeah. So, 
And that's been helpful too with the what we have seen with the integration so far, where you have a mission president and SMLs uh, really taking them into the circumstances of their service, but also their meetings, meetings with uh, with the proselyting missionaries, and it depends on how the uh, mission presidents run it. But there's a, an uptick in what we're seeing in most missionaries there. Mm. So. They want to be part of a team. Right. They do. And, oh. they, and they need to be part of a the team. The other thing is leadership training. Yeah. Um, we found it very important for us to train our leaders, our district leader, and then we had an assistant district leader and a secretary and one other colleague. Um, and we would train the district leader especially um, and sometimes it would be both the, the district leader and the assistant. They would then train the other leadership corps, mm. and then they would. They also were responsible for the training of the district. Right. And that that elevated um, one young man when called to be the district leader. Ah, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> and it was amazing. Yeah. He said. A miracle started happening in his life, and and the other missionary said, "He will call me because he said the Spirit says I needed to call you. How can I help you?" And all of a sudden, they, it was just—they were amazed, and he was amazed, as we would be in our individual training with him. He'd go, These feelings I have, and and I come to know them, and and how to deal with them, and. I never dreamed, he said, in my patriarchal blessing, he said I would be a leader on my mission, but I never dreamed that was possible. Mm -hmm. Well, in other words, you give them what, in the Lord's program, yeah. the full thing. Uh, and that, we just, yeah, we just saw so many miracles happen. And then as we were interviewing missionaries around the world, same thing happened if the same tools were used. Right. It all starts with the purpose. Yeah. I just have to say one more thing, and I'm no. sure you're going to ask another question. No, you do. But uh, <laughs> so the the big one of the big purposes is for us to yes, they're serving Jesus Christ, but in the process, they're becoming more empowered. They're mm -hmm. becoming more independent. That they're becoming more resilient, and that is the purpose. That by the end of their mission, now they are ready. Now they are ready now with everything, so that they can go on with the rest of their life. Right. It, 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 that that would be the purpose of, of whether you're a proselyting or whether you're a service. You know that that we now are are in an adult realm, realm and we're thriving. Yeah. So just a quick story about this missionary that was became our district leader. Um, which is just so endearing. <clears throat> it was the 24th of July. We're mm. getting close to it. He so wanted to have a pioneer experience with our, with our district. And so as the council, he was in a council with the other, some of the other service mission, missionaries, um, they decided to have us watch the film, was it? 13 Miracles. 13 Miracles. Okay. Or 17, I can't remember. It's 17, 17 Miracles. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, Anyway, and then we were to, on that day, we were going to get together via Zoom or in person and talk about how that has impacted us, what we're learning, how, what, what can we, how can we grow from this. We get to the meeting, 
and they had talked about it at every meeting. So we'd been doing this for a month now. He had a month to look at it, you know, and he had been talking about it. And so we're now uh, on the 24th of July. And everybody comes in. He happens to live in Kingman. Hmm. And he, so he's zoomed in. And it's dark where he's at. I mean, he's not in a room like this that's lit up. It's dark. And everybody has this little kind of a candlestick in there is this little candle with a with a flame and I said Elder Whitney it appears as if you're in the dark to me because I, <laughs> I can only see a candle with you and then he said I know I thought if I came out here in the dark it would be more like what the pioneers had to live with over and over again hmm. now that was a very simple thing that he did but it hit so home to me and to the other missionaries it's like oh my gosh right you know what I mean there's no light for them just a candle you know what are we doing and then we went on with the rest of the program um, and that's why missionaries teaching other missionaries helps them to grow exponentially and to become empowered yeah huh. yeah that's and was this was this missionary? Did he have some special? He did. He had a shunt okay. in his head, uh, okay. hydrocephalus, and, and they had, had to some, fix that. And some periods of, I think, blindness. He did. That. He had okay. some blindness issues. But he was he was a very bright young yeah. man. Mm-hmm. But he had that concern, and uh, I've known some of the some of the most the most impactful moments working with missionaries has been with some of those missionaries who have some special needs or circumstances. They. Yeah. They have some of the most impactful thoughts, personally, from what right. I've what I've seen, at least. Right. Um, and so do the others. All of them do. But I've right. seen some really, you know, moments like that where you're going, "Huh, didn't think about it that way." But right. and he had been he had been pondering and praying. I'm saying, talk about the mantle helping him to grow. Right. Right. I mean, he literally used that to help him in his prayers and in his revelation and everything was now focused not just on him serving at the site, mm-hmm. on on his team, on his missionaries. I mean, because he was the leader. Now, do you think that he will become a good leader or could could be a leader afterwards? Well, yeah. Right. In anything. I mean, he could easily hold any church calling. I would sustain him. Yeah. And, oh. and so that's the love. And so not all missionaries have the capacity to work 40 or 50 hours many do many service missionaries do but there are some that can't well but that's all right during the days when maybe they need to be at home maybe mom can't get them to the to an assignment they can be doing things at home that are towards focused towards jesus christ and helping like like genealogy or doing family history or or something um so yeah, that changes. Mm-hmm. Um, it, yeah. Uh, it is amazing. It is to uh, uh, another young man who had never, in four years of perfect attendance at seminary, he had never said one comment. Hmm. He had never borne his testimony until a month before he left, and it was about a five-second testimony. Uh, and then to bring him to a place where uh, we would go speak in sacrament meetings 
which spoke in 65 sacral meetings. Mm-hmm. Uh, he spoke in 65 sacral meetings. I remember the first... Bearing his testimony. Well, yes, but there was more than that. What we ask them is, Elder and Sister, for this week, Sunday, we want you to pick out an experience you had where the Spirit, you felt the Spirit and your service. Um, you need to contain it to within five to six minutes, and then we want you to bear your testimony the same year your Heavenly Father. That's all the training we gave them. Right. Our, and uh, our district leader conducted and we had a musical number by one of the, the sister missionaries who couldn't keep time. And yet the music was, I mean, the spirit came so powerfully, even the babies stopped. And people would just weep yeah. because of the spirit. But this elder, then, that I remember that first time he got up to the microphone and said... I am a representative of Jesus Christ. Because of that, here's what happened this week. One of those times was that he was serving Catholic charities, putting meals together, and a person came and tapped him on the shoulder, one of the employees. And he turned around and the man went, backed up like he was surprised, and, and this elder, Elder Finch, said, what's the matter? He said, well, Elder, you have light shining all over you. He said, yes, that's because I'm a representative of Jesus Christ, (laughs) and he loves you, and it's his light shining through me. How can I help you? Wow. And that was to a non-member Catholic man in Catholic Charities. (laughs) This is the boy that had not spoken for four years in seminary. Yeah. But when he prayed, you knew he knew Heavenly Father. And then after he talked about that, then he would bear his witness. And that would just literally shake you. Yeah. When he said, I know, it just... Mm. And uh, people would come up after the sacrament meetings. We would have seven missionaries speak. They would say, we've never experienced this kind of spirit and, and here are young people that had not gotten a lot of the limelight. Sure. So it's, again, it's going back to that purpose. Who are they? Right. And, uh, and we can tell you story after story about what happened. Even when we were asked to speak in a place because they said the missionaries were kind of down and wondering if they're doing any good and da 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 outside of our mission. It was not, it was after our mission. <coughs> after our... We were in Salt Lake by that time, but this was in another part, and uh, we went down at the invitation of the SMLs, and uh, the the SMLs did a great job with that, with that conference starting, and then when they turned it over at us, there was a musical number, and as the young lady came to lead one of the missionaries and as a young man played a sacred, sacred moment where I sensed and saw there I knew it was someone I didn't know who in the spirit world standing by them. Mm-hmm. Turned out it was fathers who had passed away. And then the room was full with 
ancestors of those who were the service missionaries in that room. Were you able to, like, you could see them, or what's what kind yeah, of, like, I could, just could I could feel the presence? and sense them, and okay. the missionaries started sensing them, okay. and sometimes seeing them. And Sister Roberry then followed up on that with, this is the reason you are here. Hmm. You are representatives of Jesus Christ, and they have come to support you in yeah. your time of need right now. And I mean, she... It was amazing what you did with it. Well, it was basically quit feeling sorry for yourself. This is what was always planned. It's do what God wants you to do right now. Mm. Because this is exactly right uh, for you. Um, I was going to say there was one missionary, you know, we would speak in those sacrament meetings, and his family, particularly his sisters, were very nervous about him bearing his testimony and about okay. him um, honoring Jesus Christ and they said you're just making him a, a, a you know like a show right you're making it what, what would you call it a well um, then people will people will him. make fun of him sure. they'll mock to him before because because he's uh, he actually speaks extremely well and does very good. And they were just really upset. They, they're very protective of him. Sure. They wanted to make sure that he was okay. And and we had to talk with him and say, you wait to see. You you wait to see the hand of the Lord in this elder and see how he, he is. Mm-hmm. And within, it only took maybe, uh, what, three months of us going. We spoke in different sacrament meetings, sometimes three times on a Sunday. Sure. So by, by the third month, He's pretty seasoned in doing it. And the family came after about six months again, I think, or maybe a little bit later. Anyway, they came to, to hear him speak, and they saw him, and he was regal. And his <laughs> shoulders were back, and he knew who he was, and he wasn't, there was no, there. all there was was an amazing man here, an amazing valiant priesthood man. <laughs> and... And afterwards, they came up and apologized to us. They said, we just didn't know. Well, Instead yeah. of it being some place where they would mock him, it's that all of a sudden he's developed into the being him that he needs to be. Mm-hmm. And, and that's, the, that's the beauty of, of uh, service mission leaders assisting the service missionaries in their growth as they come to the Savior, yes, but then as they grow. Right. Yeah. Well, he became so good that he was our yeah. closer. Yeah, we called I mean, it the he closer. He would get up and find and say, brothers and sisters, aren't they amazing? These are my missionary companions. It's wonderful. And he would turn and congrats. And that, yeah. that, I mean, he was so smooth. Yeah. It was. It was awesome. It was just amazing, and people just. Um, and then. Well, it's would, the time. It is the time of of both and. I don't know, and neither does anybody, I think, know all the reasons why we have so many people that are having, I'm going to say the word, various struggles, Mm. various issues in their life. But I I guess it doesn't matter. You know, the Lord is bringing all of them in, and the service missionaries, well, are extremely effective in reaching people's hearts. That's what they're good at, and they don't even know that they do it. I am curious, though, with the you know, bring up the various struggles. And I, I think we're seeing 
more various struggles, like, like you're saying, kind of an, yeah. almost an influx of it. We are. Um, and I know with, and we're ta- we've talked about purpose and finding your purpose, and I, I think that's key to moving in any direction. Mm. But it seems like, I, one concern I have, and I worry about sometimes, with myself, but also, I, I think I've lucked out to have great mentors and parents and friends and a support system that really helps mm. me. So, but I worry about others a lot. I know it's a lot, a lot of times there's almost so many options of paths you can take, um, you know, outside of the mission, you know, when you, when you start trying to figure out your life and, 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 and going down that path, there's almost a, a fear of making the wrong choice or paralysis to make decisions or there's just, I think there's a lot of fear. I've seen that a lot of fear in young adults and even maybe not so young adults trying to figure out what is, what am I navigating here? What am I, what am I really trying to, to do? And so one, why, and maybe, maybe this isn't a more, you know, now issue, maybe it's always been an issue, but I think it's, I think it's a growing issue. I think I see, you see it more, more frequently. Um, What can be done to help solve that or, or, or even navigate or, or move forward and, and, Are, and find you're direction. You're talking post-mission? Post-mission, yeah. 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 Um, Go ahead. Well, it's a lot like what you did on your mission. Mm. At first you have no clue what you're doing. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and so you ask the Lord and you start putting your foot out in one direction or you're going in some way. And as you do that, you start feeling if that's the right way or the wrong way or just a way for a while. Mm -hmm. And I think the key for post-mission young single adults Mm -hmm. is to remember what they've learned on their mission Mm. and that the Lord has a purpose for them and He will make it known as they seek it. Um, How can they... Sorry, not to cut you off. How right. how's the best way for them to seek it? Because I almost and and maybe it's similar to how they s- sought it on their mission, but uh, I think sometimes people are even confused on how how do I really how do I really seek after what I don't even know what I'm looking for or the path I should choose or you know how do well, I seek after something? <clears throat> it's pretty simple, mm-hmm. and yet it seems complex. Yeah. Uh, it's simple in that, number one, you have to believe that you are a child of God. Sure. That He has a purpose for you, mm. that He has guided you on your mission, and He guides you the same way now. And so as you exert your prayer, scripture study, faith, and service, you start getting certain feelings plus the Lord starts bringing people into your lives that will start helping you be guided and directed. And you have to start listening for the Spirit again, just like you did on your mission. Uh, You go to the temple a lot and you let the Holy Ghost work on your mind and He will bring things to your mind and then you have to record them so that you actually see what you're really doing. Because you can be in the middle of a lot of revelation, but it's just swimming around you. True. And so, when you record it, or in some way, make sense of 
Revelation. In other words, just writing it down. Elder Scott was perfect on this. If you go back to his talks, uh, he would talk about if if you value what the Lord inspires you, the inspiration of the Lord to you, you will write it down and you will keep it and you will pray about it. Mm-hmm. And then you will sense you're moving along in a you'll start moving in a path. At first it feels like a broad path. And then you will feel more and more where you're supposed to go. It takes time and patience. We have everything in the world but patience. Fast food society. Sometimes that means that you take a college course and you go, oh, yuck. I don't think I want this. Or sometimes you take, you go... Uh, to a mentor and say, I I don't know what I want to do for sure, but let me go with him or her. Yeah. Uh, and that will limit. And then the spirit has something to work with. Mm. It can start moving you because you're moving your feet, you're trying, and that always brings the spirit to guide you. And then you have patience. And that's not easy. But then you'll start getting a feeling about what it is. And at first it may be general, but then it will get more and more specific. Uh, That's my counsel. Uh, It has been in all the years I was an institute director or teacher. Um, That's what you need to do. You have to get the Spirit in your life and let Him guide you. Think back of temple covenants Mm -hmm. and ordinances. And as you do that, write down what you're feeling, and, and you'll get you'll get the sense. Mm-hmm. He's not going to let a a person who really cares and really is living just run right into the wall, unless that wall is part of his training. You know, um, I've, I've run into a few of those walls before. Yeah. the training walls—they're not very pleasant. <laughs> but you but have effective. to take it very seriously. You know? Yeah, very seriously. And then uh, you'll come to a point people are brought in your life. All those other things I said come to fruition. Mm. Uh, I was going to be an attorney. Uh, but early on, the Lord knows, I needed a lot of clarity in my life. Right. And uh, so my patriarchal blessing talked about becoming a teacher. And, and some wonderful things along with that that I won't share here. But, you know, and then what kind and so forth. Whatever the way the Lord deals with you, recognize He's dealing with you. Mm. Well, and I think you made a good point about taking taking action steps that then lead to more guidance and revelation exactly right. and answers. Because if you just sit there and kind of mm-hmm. wonder, you're not you're not you're not giving yourself any information to have inspiration, right, which exactly. I think is a key. Yeah, part. you don't give the Holy Ghost a chance. Right. Right. Well, and that's what the Lord wants. I mean, that picture of, of the Savior at the door, he's, he's waiting to help us, but right. we have to ask. Mm-hmm. And so that process of, of, now that I'm off my mission, what do I do now? And so, you know, what is it? What career do I want? What do I do with the dating scene? What do I, you know, what do I, what do I? Um, as we do that, and, and I agree with David and the patriarchal blessing, his was pretty set, and, and he followed it. And it was absolutely wonderful. 
but the patriarchal blessing can help get you into a spot where you can say, oh, this is what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And if you go down that path and it doesn't seem to work or you don't feel right about it, then you can back up and you, you can go into another path. But as far as keeping yourself grounded during that process, I remember so well when our oldest son came back from his mission and he was he was going to school and he was you know dating and doing different things, but he was feeling a little bit... Mm, he didn't quite know where he fit. Out of place, yeah. Yeah, and it's like the mission, he fit so well in the mission. Right. Exactly what was needed. You know, yeah. you didn't have to worry. You had those goals. You had your time totally mapped out for you. Yeah. And so, he, yes, he had a job. Yes, he had school. Yes, he was dating. But uh, anyway, it was, a, it was a little bit of a struggle for him. And we remember him coming home, and he was coming home later. This was in the summer. He came home to, to earn money to go to school in the okay. fall. Okay, yeah. And uh, and he was coming home later and later and later in the evening. And finally, David uh, just went up to him and said, Son, we just know you're coming home later. Are you okay? Mm. Are you okay? We just want to make sure that you're okay. And he said, I'm fine. He says, but I found out that I was getting more and more self-absorbed, kind of what Elder Bednar says, more and more self-absorbed, self-centered, and I didn't quite know what to do. And he said... I knew what I needed to do. I knew I needed to reach outward and go serve. Mm. And so he was at the food bank. He was helping at the homeless shelters. And his temperament and his ability to find himself again just came right back up to that of a missionary. And I go, that is great advice. Yes, we need to set those goals. Yes, we need to have prayer. Yes, we need to do that. But we also need to reach outward just like the Savior did and serve others. Hmm. And, and sometimes like uh, serving in the temple as an ordinance worker yeah. is a great place. Yeah. We at the city center temple, probably 50 to 60% of our, mm-hmm. uh, our uh, ordinance workers are students. Yeah. That makes for a big turnover. Mostly post-mission. But it's marvelous to see the energy and to talk to them. Mm -hmm. Because they're putting themselves where things can happen in their mind, in their lives. And it's a marvelous thing. So you need to put yourself where you can find answers. But you need to take action on your own. Mm. It's critical. Well, and it's very critical critical that in the process of doing all of that, you can say, oh, well, I'm not so happy. Right. Well, we need to recognize we're in charge of our happiness. Right. Well, if I'm not happy, what do I need to do to become that way? And and it is a choice. Every day. Well, not everything's going to be, not always going to feel happy. That's correct. (laughs) Every day it's a choice. You wake up and you you wake up on the wrong side of the bed and you're kind of grouchy. Well, the answer is, I can choose to be happy. Right. I can call somebody. I can do my exercises. I can read my scripture. I can, you know, make some, do something for serve somebody. You can clean your room and, and feel exactly. the spirit better. And feel the spirit better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so, so really, as they choose to, if you have post post missionaries and they're feeling a little disjointed, mm. then they need to do that. Right. They need. They need to say, oh. I am in charge. The Lord and the Lord bring the Lord in there with you. Well, what you know, I can I can be in charge of my mood. Yeah, yeah. along with 
my career along with my dating. I mean, it's all a little thing. And the ones that get discouraged are the ones that think that basically uh, the world or the earth or people are controlling them. Right. Well, that's the lie. Yeah. It is. That's the lie. Don't believe it. Yeah. God, take take accountability for exactly. for what you're what you're involved in, what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, you don't have to believe what everybody says. No. No. Exactly. You can you can say, oh, you said that. Well, you can literally say, well, is that true? And there's a lot of in, there's a lot of inputs of information now available, but doesn't mean you That's need correct. to believe or listen to all That's of those. That's correct. Did did it turn off because the timer? Dead. All right, we're back on. Um, so, a question I've had. I was thinking about this while we were on our break. Was and and we were kind of leaning into this before. Have you guys noticed more? mental health challenges than in the past. And I know you work with in this field quite a bit. So I'm, I'm curious to hear what you think. Cause I, I know I hear about it a lot more. I think than I, and granted I'm young, so I'm pulling from, a, you know, I, so I don't really know, but I feel like it's become a more prevalent thing of people struggling with mental health and challenges. And, and so I'm curious, have you seen an increase in that? And what do you think's leading to that and causes that? And you know, what's, yeah, what's your thoughts on, on yeah, that? Yeah, that's a great question um, it, it, with with a lot of different answers that could answer that question right. because, of course, we don't know everything. Uh, but the answer is yes. There's been a, a direct uh, more anxiety, more OCD, more mm. depression, more Asperger's, more yeah. autism. I mean, it's just exponentially larger. So what are the factors? Is it uh, Does food contribute? Well, we have... If you walk into a grocery store, 50% of it is junk food. It's right. not nutritious. Right. And my grandson, one of them, just loves talkies. Oh, yeah. He loves there. all these chips. And and uh, I think they're kind of cool myself. But, but, I mean, there are things that are not good for you. Right. Or how about all of the sugars and the processed uh, the processed foods? So, so food is a big factor. Um, is there enough? nutrients in the soil where they're doing food let's say Mm. it's a spinach farm do they have enough nutrients in the soil right um how about our computers and our cell phones is that contributing and i think it's a resounding yes you know the amount of time that we stay on it if what do they say the amount of time you on it it directly correlates to how you're going to be yeah and if you can really talk to people the um that the service missionaries of today uh, well, not just service missionaries, but the pe- the young people of today, they don't know how to communicate well. Right. The majority of them don't. And that doesn't, I mean, they don't know how to look somebody in the eye. Mm-hmm. They don't know how to see how they're doing. They just, they're just pretty much texters. Right. And so there's all these factors, let alone, I think the spirituality has decreased or or maybe we could say that evil has increased. True. Um, or access to evil. Yes. That's yes, and so there's uh, again there's many 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 factors, mm. and parents. Uh, how many of the parents maybe are not parenting? They're two parents now. They're both working, and we have a nanny watching the children. Mm. So there's multiplicity of factors that have to go with um, the issues of today. Yeah. Uh, also, there's if I can. Can we can we move the camera just over this way a bit just just because there's two of them so I want to make sure that we 
always hit them. There's just one of me. It used to be that school was a safe bastion to help inculcate positive moral standards and so forth. Uh, That has now been reversed on its head in many cases. Not all schools. Some are doing a great job. But also we have expected more of our schools to become really babysitters and raise the kids with parents out of the home. Yeah. The bottom line is young people need a stable home. They need a parent in the home to Mm -hmm. be there thinking about them, not just, oh, I'm home from work now, I'm dog tired, but we'll muddle together and get something on, make sure you do your homework, and then we'll go to bed. Sure. Kids need to be raised, not just housed. Yeah. Uh, And I'm... I'm not saying most parents don't want to do that, but as we plan our lives, just like as you plan your mission, uh, you need to plan for that which is most important. Mm. Right. And the most important is your relationship with Jesus Christ and your care as a family. Mm. And that takes planning, work, and sacrifice. It really does. Yeah. Uh, there was a reason that Sister Roberry was in the home. Uh, it wasn't because she could go out and do anything. She's amazing. She had so many talents. But we desperately needed her to be there with the young people. And then I needed to be there as quickly as I could, even being, bishop, being busy in the church and other things. I needed to plan to be not only with the kids, but with each other. Mm. So when when the kids were little, uh, and we had five and five and a half years, and then four and four. Anyway, um, I see there. I feel like there's a, a quite a popularization of 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 the opposite of that. Like oh. it's becoming very popular, not maybe popular, but common to promote the opposite of that happening. Yes. And what I I I also I, I sometimes wonder um, why that is because I've no, like having for example to nowadays to say well it's probably healthier for everyone involved for the why for the woman to stay in the house and take care of the kids and and then you know the husband go out and provide that's becoming more and more you know almost Obsolete. a taboo thing to exactly. say yeah and you're almost you're almost being you know, anti-women to say that. So how do we, like, how do you even combat that? You start a pro-family mm. movement. And the pro-family movement. The other thing that's interesting is for both men and women, there's a natural inclination, feeling, and God-given spirit to care for family. Right. And so we see... Now, it's interesting, we saw in young single adults, women especially, who put their goal of, okay, I'm going to get my degree and I'm going to go out in the business world and work and make my whatevers until I'm 30 or sometime, then I'm going to be a mother. Sure. I can tell you hundreds of really sad stories of women losing themselves in their occupation. Mm. and crying bitter tears but but I'm not married or 
I don't have children and now I can't have children. Yeah, they're in their mid-thirties. Mm -hmm. we, we had a, a ward who was, and I was in the bishopric there in D.C., of, uh, and we had a single adult emphasis ward where it was the young singles and the, the mid-singles and whatever you call them. And there were a number very confident, very marvelous young ladies that would cry bitter tears. Not that they had been doing evil, sure, but they hadn't been doing the highest good. Right. And uh, she was really society president at that time too. Uh, and it's really sad that they got their priorities mixed up. Hmm. Or the other lie is you can do it all. Well, yeah. you can't. Right. I mean, what about mom <laughs> and her time and her thoughts and her feelings? But there is a time and season. Right. Like it says in Ecclesiastes, and there's a season for everything under heaven. Mm. And so Sister Roberry went back for her master's degree at age 50. Mm. Yep. And she did extremely well, and she's very, very good in it, and people were amazed, and it was because of the experience she brought. Right. But I could not pay somebody to do what she did with our family. Mm. And I would come home as quickly as I could. Sometimes I was dog-tired after all day, and I'd have to drive around the block a couple of times because I knew when I walked in the door, I was going to have five little kids just and we, because we'd made an agreement, when I walked in the door and gave her a hug and kiss, she could go do whatever she time, wanted yeah. for the next hour, hour and a half, whatever. Sleep, recuperate, walk around the block, go see a friend, whatever. And, uh, you know, so I would be wrestling with the kids. In fact, we put two and three layers of foam underneath the carpet because I knew what we were going to be doing, or on the stairs, because we'd go down the stairs on boxes. <laughs> uh, or we'd be out playing, or some... I was being a dad. Right. And I, I hope we men don't forget that, that being a dad takes time and effort. Uh, when I was on the city council, I'd take some of my kids with me to city council meeting. Usually they would conk out or whatever. But you have to think and plan carefully. Right. And uh, and sisters especially have to come to remember why they are here, who they are, and what's going to happen. The temple helps with that. Mm. But we have too many of our young single adult sisters that are getting caught up while being good people, not being evil, they are completely missing that thing which will exalt them more than anything else. Mm. So it's... I thought it, I thought it was a good point. I was talking to, I don't know if it was a family member or a couple friends, but they were talking about motherhood and how, and we were talking about a similar topic. Mm. And they brought up how, you know, if you were to take what a, being a stay-at-home mom or a mother does on a daily basis, I mean, they're a housekeeper, they're a cook, mm -hmm. they're a cleaner, they're... They're a babysitter. They're, you know, all these things that if you were in a career-driven path, I mean, you could get paid to do all those things. It's not that they're, it's not that they're, what they're doing isn't an actual 
of importance job. I mean, it's they're doing so many things. Right. It's just for some reason it has been kind of looked down upon rather than putting it on the putting it on the pedestal and the value it really deserves um, of right. that role. I think it's interesting because as as a mother. I mean, we did. We had seven children total, but five of them in five and a half years. And when David would go to work, then, I mean, my job was to be the right kind of mother mm. for my children, meaning patient and kind and loving and nurturing. That's really fine at the beginning of the day when your energy's good. But as the day goes by and your energy wanes and you're going, how can I handle this? They're right. screaming again. Or... Or there's, there's laundry or there's dishes and it doesn't, if the house is picked up, well, just wait 15 minutes and right. it'll be dirty again kind of thing. Uh, <clears throat> so it takes, I, um, it takes a lot of maturity, I think, to recognize that that is indeed the most important thing you could ever do. Mm. And I love the term that you said earlier and that is sacrifice. That the definition of sacrifice is that I am giving up something that is not as much worth as this, what right. I'm doing. So you could say, in motherhood, we're sacrif- I would sacrifice my career, that I wouldn't do that until I'm in my 50s, uh, for, for the sake of loving these children. Right. And I did. I loved them enough that I that I was with them. Right. I actually started a preschool because I wanted them to have socialization and I wanted to teach them. Sure. I started a singing group because I love music. We did that for 13 years and they loved it. But I, and so I loved that stage. How can I say this? Sometimes even in the middle of the stages, it gets hard and you think, gee, if I got a, a job out of the home, people would say thank you to me. Sure. People would tell me that I'm amazing. You know, they all of these things. That, so you're, that's a little bit of a selfish attitude. But as a mother, have I thought it? Yes. Did I have to say, oh, but my children are most important. I need to be a mother. I can remember early on when we were in um, actually far west, mm. outside of Ogden, um, I would get up in the morning, and the the biggest accomplishment I did, other than me being the mother I wanted to be, was that I would get up, make sure that I was dressed nicely, I had my makeup on, I had an outfit on, and and that's if if I got that done for the day, and then I was the bomb the rest of the day. That's about all I could do. Someone came to the door during one of those t- times, and they said, "Oh, well, where are you going?" And I go nowhere well you're all dressed up and I said I am because you see this is my job Mm. this is my job and I've chosen that I chose to and that meant that yes did I get to cook you don't always do fast food yes I did do that I did learn how do I get to do uh, recipes? Yes. Did I learn how to clean better? Did I learn how to read stories? Did I learn how to nurture more? I mean it I'm a therapist now, and it took me hours and hours to become a therapist, but that job is not near as hard Mm. as me being a mom to my kids. It took everything. It was a 24-7 job. It was was never-ending. And yet, 
it was the most rewarding, the most beneficial. And at the end of the life, since we're getting into the later stages of our life, it's like, oh my gosh, look at the payback. They say, I can remember one of our children, um, we we disciplined in a certain fashion, and so now they're having, our children are having children, and, and I remember asking him, I says, well, Brandon, you're doing the exact same thing that we did. And he looked at, at me and he said, well, Mother, look at how well it tur- we turned out. Why would I not raise my children like you taught me? Right. You know, and to discipline and to not give them a car or to not get the cell phone or whatever the mm. case may be. So I, I will... I am grateful that I had enough courage to stay the course because being a the right kind of mom is by far the most the hardest thing you'll ever do. It's also the most rewarding, as I said. Mm-hmm. I, I have no regrets. Yeah. Yeah. The, the other thing with that is your your training. Yes. Your training. You're not just a maid. Mm. I would not let my children te- treat. My sweetheart is a maid. Right. They, she would train and help, and they would learn very early on to take responsibility. Right. You know, we had job charts and we had definitions of what would be done, and we had fun, but they would learn that as a home and as a family, we work together. So we had family councils to work out issues. Um, we did all kinds of things like that, and so. They learned so much from her, especially about being a son or daughter of God. Absolutely. Who else is going to teach them? <laughs> well, me is the other person, and that was my role as a father. Uh, <clears throat> sometimes you didn't get all the sleep you needed, or sometimes work may suffer a bit, or your church calling, but not your kids. Sure. And so, it's again... We talked about missionaries having a purpose. We need to understand what our purpose is. And the kids will respond to that. And uh, and you learn how to love as a dad and a mom. And the kids pick up on that. Mm-hmm. We just had a family reunion where we had 52 people there. Mm-hmm. Our seven children and their spouses, that's 14, Asamic uh, 16. Then we have 33 grandchildren. So that's 43, 40. Anyway, you start adding up the numbers. And then we had, uh, we have five grandchildren who have been married. Mm-hmm. Now, one of them couldn't come. She was in Hawaii, but she uh, called in and announced that she's expecting. So we have one great-grandchild and five great-grandchildren on the way. They were there. They had a great time. Are they different? Sure. There's lots of different personalities. But they have that same ethos of family, and we love family, and yay for them. When Julia said she was having a baby, even the little teeny kids, yay, more cousins. Um, There's an and I looked at it several nights. I just thought, wow, this has been worth it. And you see, well, and we've now had 10 grandchildren who are aged to go on mission, and the 10th one 
is set apart this coming Sunday. Mm -hmm. Now we still have 23 to go. <laughs> but, uh, the point is, we don't have to tell them to go on mission. Right. They've watched us go. When we were in Africa and when we were service mission leaders, they would pray for us. Mm -hmm. They know, they have that feeling, they want that. Mm -hmm. So, well, it just started out with two funny kids at BYU wondering, could we do it or can we even have children? Now it has evolved into that. Where to buy that? Right. Where, you know, what, uh, what greater difference in the world, even in the service mission, which you know we believe strongly in and we've worked very hard for. Still, the greatest thing we've ever done is to try to keep our covenants we made in the temple and share those with our children. Although at times imperfectly, <laughs> we're still learning. But we see what the Lord has done with, with our efforts. Yeah. And, and we're we were asking earlier about, well, you know, how, how do I get grounded post-mission and stuff like that? And I'm going, the Lord has already set the template. Right. He's already given you the template. And I'm going, what's most important? Family and solidarity. And that takes sacrifice. Sacrificing for something higher. But it is always, always, always worth it. Yeah. And keeping Christ. Our, our, one of our sons went to medical school. And most of the people in medical school, they were postponing family. Mm. And he had... Was it one child going no, in? Two children. Two going children in. going into medical school, and he didn't postpone. And in fact, I, in some ways, it's like, oh my gosh, this is so hard for them. Maybe they should wait for a minute. They had two children while in med school. He graduated with four children, and the dean who was giving the the college certificates as they were graduating, uh, the the medical certificates, he took a picture of the whole family. <laughs> and he and, and he turned to the audience and said, "Do you see this? He is and, and it was what was it? Einstein Med School in New York. It was City. a Je <laughs> Jesuit Med School, no, Ju no, Jewish, uh, Jewish Med School. Excuse me. Oh, wow. And uh, he goes, "Do you see? He's got his priorities straight with family. I mean, and I go, well, and he has. Yeah, he has. And um, I'm so grateful that he knows that." And he served yeah. in the bishopric. Yeah, a lot. And graduated number two in his yeah. class exactly. in med school. While he was in med school. So, kind of to, kind of to bring this, not full circle, but what would be three pieces of advice? Because I agree, I think families is important. I think marriage is important. What would be three pieces of advice for young adults trying to get into the dating, relationship, marriage, potentially. Um, what would be three pieces of advice to, to navigate that, but hopefully lead to a successful marriage? Because I think a lot of that's, people wonder that. That's a great question. I remember our daughter, uh, Chantel, she's our child number five. Mm -hmm. uh, she got off of her mission to England, and she was so, and she was later. It was when they went at 21, so now she's... 23, going on 24, 25, about in there. And she called me up one day and she said, well, Mother, um, people are 
people are telling me that I should be depressed because I don't have anybody on the horizon ready to date me. And ah, you know. And she says, I don't, I don't think that's true. I think I should be happy. If I want a happy person, I should be happy too. Mm-hmm. You know that I'm kind of in charge of this. And I said, Why would you ever want to get depressed? Right. I said, look at right now, you're, you're forming how you're going to be. You go out and you have all the fun that you want as long as it's righteous fun, you know, and uh, you'll, be, you'll be guided. And she found, her, she found her sweetheart at the MTC. They were both teaching. Hmm. They were both teaching, and, and he was attracted to her because she was healthy she was reaching out to other people. She was happy. She had. They had the same values. Mm. And so all I can say is, you you will marry who you are. If you're depressed, you'll probably marry somebody that's depressed. It's not a good choice. Right. Okay. You have the you have the opportunity to make your you, to thrive in your life. And so after them, and you're the one in charge of that, not your parents. Not money, not right. you. You are in charge of that, and so so seize the day. Have Heavenly Father help you follow the Spirit, and I would go out. We have a granddaughter right now who's in a relationship with somebody. She post mission. She went to to Brazil. Um, she organizes little frisbee uh, events. Every single week they're throwing frisbees and they get 10 to 15 people, ultimate frisbee. They get 10 to 15 people out there. If she's not doing that, they're also organizing rappelling. They're also doing this. And I'm going, so don't wait around for other people to take care of you. Say, what makes me happy? How can I serve others and help make them happy too? And those are some a few tips. Mm, I love it. Um, three, three pieces of advice. <clears throat> Number one is realize. Oh, camera's dead. Yeah. Okay. Dang. Okay. Well. Oh. Yeah, yeah. We'll keep going with audio. Keep going okay. with audio. We're good. Um, realize your purpose. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Again, it's it's everywhere. Realize who you are and why you are here. Um, and then uh, act like it, mm. which means just because you're not a missionary, you need to be serving. Right. Service is huge. Yeah, exactly. It keeps you founded and grounded, and it helps with depression. It helps chase away whatever problem is there. In fact, the brethren have talked about this. Serve. Mm. You, you are much more handsome or beautiful when you serve. Mm. It's been shown to be true. Yeah, it's true. At least yeah. people think so. That's why we're all so good looking. That's exactly <laughs> right. I mentioned how many missions I've been on. Anyway. <laughs> um, so, have a purpose. Serve so you get out of yourself. Keep the Savior as your, your guide. And then live your temple covenants and ordinance. Mm. As you do that, you will not be sitting in your room doing nothing. That's not according to your temple ordinances right. and covenants. You're out serving. You're very, very attractive to people because you're this way instead of this way. Mm-hmm. It's the character of Christ. It is the character of Christ. You know, he is outward, he's compassionate, and so forth. And you live that life. And you will be guided and directed because the Holy Ghost can then do something with you. Yeah. If you're sitting alone in your room, 
going, woe is me, why did anybody call me? <laughs> it's pretty hard for the Holy Ghost to get through and say anything. But those three keys, purpose, service, actually live the covenants and ordinances. Um, and you will be led and people will be led to you. Mm. You know, Joseph Smith had no idea that Moroni was coming. Right. He didn't know the Father and the Son were coming. But he did know what he was supposed to do and he did it. Mm. Uh, and then they, the other thing is the Lord puts great people in your life who know and love you. Um, you know, mission leaders to parents to others. And if you're doing those three things, which of course includes the scriptures and the sacrament and all of that, you're going to be fine. Yeah. And that's how I over 20,000 institute students have figured that out. <laughs> I want to say one more thing, and that is I love what President Nelson has taught the, the young children, and hopefully it's going into the teens, and we adults need it also, and that's that we balance our life. Mm. You're not just all um, intellectual going to school. It's intellectual and spiritual and physical and emotional, social. You need to have a balance mm -hmm. every single day. Resiliency and all those. Yeah. And, and as we do that and have different little goals and stuff in there, then we can, If yes, we may have to study a lot one day because there's a test the next day. I get right. that. But, but you can take the time to talk to somebody for just a tiny bit. Sure. You know, who can I talk to? How can I? Uh, and so balancing the spiritual, physical, social, emotional, intellectual it w is very critical. Mm. And if we tend to be more shy, well, now's the time to change. Take chances, yeah. Put yourself Take chances. There. You reach out. It's okay for you to get to know other people. And it's okay to fail at it a few it's times. It's okay. Oh, you will. Exactly. I yeah. mean, I hope you will. Yeah. Or you're going to be, you're yeah. not going to understand life at all. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we were at a commencement speech at Harvard, and J.K. Rowling spoke, mm. you know, with Harry Potter. And she said, how many of you have actually failed at something? Very few. She said, most of you have not been allowed to fail. So you don't know yourself. Mm. You, once you fail at something, you come to know who you are. It's very interesting. Yeah. Um, one other thing was, and it slipped my mind right now, it's coming back. Remember that it's not your job to find your eternal companion. Yeah. Mm. It's the Spirit's job to guide you to them and them to you. Interesting. And so you mm -hmm. need to remember that because we'll make all kinds of goofy mistakes <laughs> if you think it's us. You know, uh, we get Twitter painted over a pretty hairdo, we get this and that. Um, when I met Sister Roberry, I'd been home for not a long time, maybe a month, month and a half from my mission. Uh, I, would, I dated several girls, one young lady from my hometown, we'd served together. I was dating her more than others. Uh, marvelous young lady, still is. Um, and I walked into, and I was trying to do what I had just 
mitzvah, okay? The, the purpose and, and keeping the covenants and so forth. And uh, I was sitting in the stage in the Wilkinson Center because I was in International Folk Dancers. And we were waiting for class to start. And uh, down the hallway came this big group of guys, and out of them they parted, and out came Sister Heath then, the Janet. And the spirit grabbed me and said, look. I looked, and it's, it didn't say go marry her. It said, she's as beautiful on the inside as she is the outside. Mm. That was significant for me because I've been in Sweden where there were lots of beautiful tabernacles wandering around, but without much spiritual anything, which was sad, but that, that's true. And so then, you know, time went on and, and I invited her to be a partner and we, we invited her to go on a date and other things, and it wasn't all picture perfect. But I didn't know her, <laughs> but the Spirit did, and put me in that place in her. Another thing is, one of our missionaries, brand new Greeny, grabbed me when he first came in. I was conducting the conference, and he said, Elder Rover, I need to talk to you. And so I thought in my wisdom as an AP, I would, you know... <laughs> Oh, this so, is when you were on a full-time mission. Yeah, yeah. I was, this is way back when I was in Sweden on my first mission. And he uh, he said, there's a girl you need to meet. I said, Elk, Elk, <laughs> come on. I mean, let's become faithful followers of Paul. And, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, my whole mission, because hey, I, I still had about 17 months on my, my proselyting mission to go. Sure. And right at the, at the end, he was an excellent missionary. We were holding a zone leader conference in the mission home. He was a ZL by that time. He came in. At the end of the conference, he said, Elder O'Berry, I need to see you in your office. Went into my office. And he said, raise your right hand to the square. I said, okay. He said, on my honor as a Swedish missionary, I will not get engaged to anyone before Elder Wright comes home to introduce me. He's from Mason. I said, okay. He wouldn't leave my office until I did. And he said, you'll see. I said, okay, Elder. Well, I came home, started dating around. Janice came into my life. We had started dating quite a bit. I get this call from Elder Wright. He's home. I'm coming to Provo tomorrow. You ready? I'll pick you up at such and such a time. Oh, good. Now what are we going to do? Hop in the car. It's so good to see him. We pull up in front of the house in which she's living, Janice. <laughs> I'm going, Elder, this could be really uh, sticky wicked here because the young lady I'm dating lives in this house. And he goes, isn't that interesting? Well, you're my friend coming out. I said, okay, we can play that. So we start getting out of the car, and she comes, she lived on the upstairs, comes down the stairs, looks at us and said, Lo, David, what are you two doing here? And he looked at me and he goes, how do you know her? I said, that's the girl I'm dating. He goes, well, that's the girl you're supposed to meet. I succeeded. <laughs> <laughs> and so we still have the picture of him on the Mesa Temple grounds 
looking at us with great satisfaction, proclaiming that he had made all this arrangement for us. <laughs> oh, man. I, I mentioned that funny story because the Lord had his eye on both of us. Mm-hmm. Those two had been good friends through school. Been eighth grade girlfriend and boyfriend. You know, that's why you don't talk wow. to each other. But they knew each other and he knew me. And so what I'm saying is we're not alone in this. Sure. Yeah. We just are. I allow the Lord to bless you through following those three things. So. I think mm-hmm. that I think we forget that. We think it's all up to us and, and it's not. Yeah. We have to do our part. Right. But but, but we have yeah. to choose to follow. Yes, and but. have the spirit with you all the time and have fun along the way. Right. But sometimes yeah. we make it hard for the spirit to introduce us, you know. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> for being dumb. I mean, you know, that's just how but anyway, we we've seen that a lot in yeah. the lives of kids mm. who will devote themselves and be out there not waiting for the Lord, but putting them in a situation where they can be moldable by him. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Elder and Sister Roberry, David and Janice Roberry, whichever one we're calling. Um, Having you on is always a pleasure. And uh, if people don't walk away learning something from this, I I don't think they were listening. So, (laughs) because there's so much good to be, be good to be gained from it. So, Thank you. Um, appreciate having you on, and we'll, uh, we'll have to do a third time at some point. Well, thank you so much. What a, what a pri- privilege. Awesome. So, sometime maybe you ought to check us out for uh, truthfulness, you know, and get some of our kids on here. Oh, yeah. No, we, we should. We should do it. We'll, we'll start adding more family members. And, uh, <laughs> awesome.